Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Matthew, chapter 2. You know, as I was preparing this week for this study, I um, was reading, of course, Matthew chapter 2, and I had the sudden feeling that I wanted to read a hymn book. And so I did. Some of the hymns are great. Listen at this one. This one was written in the 1600s. It reads, What child is this who laid to rest? On Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthem sweet, while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ, the Messiah, the King, whose shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to praise the Lord or to bring him laud. That means to praise him. That means to honor him. The babe, the son of of Mary. Why lie he in such mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christian fear for sinners here, the silent word is pleading. So bring him incense, gold and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. The king of kings, salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. This, this is Messiah the king whose shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to praise the Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. And here's another one, really familiar. We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold we bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity nigh. I found that interesting. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising, voices raising, worshiping on high. Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume. Breathes a life of gathering gloom. Sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone-cold tomb. Glorious now, behold him arise, king and God and sacrifice. Heaven sings, hallelujah, hallelujah, earth replies. O star of wonder, star of night, 
Star with royal, sing it with me, beauty bright. Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Doesn't that give you warm fuzzies? I love the Christmas songs. And I love these two songs in particular because they really capture the interpretation of Matthew chapter 2. Remember the message of Matthew. If you haven't been with us, a couple of weeks ago, we started a verse-by-verse study through the gospel of Matthew. And remember the message of Matthew, I told you, is to present Jesus as king. He is the king of Israel who came to Israel. But Israel rejected him as king. And you know, they said, we will not have this man to rule over us. You know that. You know, there are people today, even still, who unfortunately, sadly are saying, we will not, I will not have this king to rule over my life. Unfortunately, sad but true. Well, Jesus came to Israel first, and Israel rejected him. They said, we will not have him to rule over us as king, and God allowed allowed them to take the position by which they chose. They said, we don't want you to rule as king. God says, fine, that's your position. You can have that position, and I won't rule over you as king. And the Bible tells us that is what caused him to weep. As he looked over Jerusalem and he wept. Why? Because they missed their day of visitation. What was that? All of the prophecies. Listen, all of the prophecies of Jesus Christ all throughout time and eternity was leading up to that one day when Jesus would come riding into Jerusalem. You know the story. It's found there in the Gospel of Luke. We looked at it. It's the triumphal entry of Christ. And you know if you were here in Daniel chapter 9, he talked about the very day by which Jesus would come riding through that gate on a donkey the very day that Jesus would come through that gate and the people would say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they missed that day. They didn't see that that was the Christ. They should have known. If they had been reading the scriptures and reading their Bibles, they would have known. They would have looked at all the prophecies and went, oh, well, he must be the Messiah. Man, oh, this the guy is coming in Jerusalem. Daniel prophesied about it. He's coming in. He's riding a donkey. Well, he must be the Messiah. But they missed their day of visitation. Jesus allowed them to have the position they wanted. They didn't want a king? Fine. You remember Pharaoh? Pharaoh said, hey, I'm going to harden my heart against God's command. And God allowed Pharaoh to have the position by which he chose. Many people, how sad. I hope you're not like that. That you will say, I don't want him to rule over me as king. Well, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. We talked about that last week, the, the Matthew presenting Jesus as king. And then we also talked about there in chapter 1, it proves that Jesus is rightly a descendant of David. We looked at this last week. And of the seed of Abraham. Therefore, he has the right to sit as heir to the throne. Now, listen, the question remains. If that is his heritage, he's the son of David and the seed of Abraham, and he has a right to heir, to, to rule and to sit. He is an heir to the throne. If that's his heritage, did anyone acknowledge it to be true? If he really is who he says he is, if he really is the king and has that right, did anyone ratify it or recognize it? 
Did anyone acknowledge it? Well, chapter 2 begins with that very point. After he established his heritage, now we see people come and they pay homage. And they recognize that he is the king of the Jews. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. If you're there, saints, say amen. amen. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Well, when Herod heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the, where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. See, whenever you see thus it is written, it's speaking of prophecies from the Old Testament. Well, here is one that is found in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, or Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, Bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Yeah, right. Sure. Oh, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east, I find this verse fascinating, went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They were worshiping God. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child, not a baby, but a child, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. Right off the bat, let me open up the story for you. Herod. He is known among the people as the king of the Jews. You can see already why Herod would be very threatened and afraid because now these wise men have come from the east and they are looking for one who is called the king of the Jews. So Herod is threatened. He's afraid that someone's going to try to come and lay claim to his title and his position. And so Herod will stop at nothing to maintain his puppet reign as king. Now, a little bit about Herod. Herod is quite interesting, actually, interesting guy. He is known as Herod the Great. And the reason why he's known as Herod the Great is because he built great big buildings. And so he's known as Herod the Great, and he's a descendant of Esau. Esau is the father of the Arab nations. Now, we don't have time to go into that, but 
We see what's going on in Israel now. It always has been that way. Well, Herod is from this same line of uh, Arab people, the Esau being the father of the Arab nations. And Herod is a descendant of Esau. History tells us that Herod was four feet, four inches tall. He's a pretty short guy. I was thinking if I was going to do a movie, I would ask Danny DeVito to be cast as Herod. I mean, he's just a really short, really short kind of guy. And so Herod, although he is short in stature, he liked to build big buildings, as I said, and big fortresses. There is a fortress known as Masada. Maybe you have heard of it. I have been there. It is an unbelievable, massive structure there in Israel. It's 450 feet above sea level. And Masada is the last outpost of Jewish zealots during the Jewish revolt. It's an unbelievable place. I've got tons of stories. And if you want to know some, talk to me at the service. But Masada is an awesome place. He built this place. Herod was a great builder. He built aqueducts and he rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. Some scholars even credit Herod with the invention of cement because he was the first one to use it to build Caesarea, the seaside city of Caesarea. He did some pretty impressive things, but he was also a cruel and vicious man. History tells us that one day he got mad at his wife and he murdered her. And then his mother-in-law objected to the murder of her daughter. And you guessed it, he murdered her also. And then Herod had three sons. Two of the three sons objected to him murdering family members. They're like, Herod, dad, uh, this is a bit much, don't you think? And because they objected, he had them murdered also. It was Constantine, or pardon me, it was Caesar Augustus who made the comment, it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be his son. He was an incredibly vicious and cruel man. And naturally, he wasn't liked in the city. As when he was in his 70s, he knew he was dying at that time. He, he knew he was running out of time, and so he realized that when he died, nobody would mourn his death, and most people would be glad to see him go. And so he had a hundred community leaders, get this, arrested and jailed. And he gave a commandment that upon his death, those hundred leading men were to be killed on the spot. He said, if they wouldn't mourn me, then let the city mourn for its community leaders that will be put to death upon my death. A really sick guy. Well, they gathered the men together, and when Herod died, they let them go free which is a good thing, no need to have to follow the commandment if he's dead. So, good thing, they let him go free. So it's this Herod that is ruling at the time that Jesus was born. And it's in these days that, notice in your Bibles, wise men came from the east, or literally means wise men came from the place where the sun rises. Now, these wise men, listen, there's a lot of misconceptions about these wise men. We want to notice, first of all, that they were wise men. They were not three kings. 
Like in We Three Kings of Orient are bearing gifts, we travel so far. That song is not biblical. They are wise men, not three kings. And it is not necessarily three of them. Now, we often in our songs and in our teachings, we believe that they were three wise men because they came with three gifts, assuming that each one carried a gift, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so we think, oh, well, there were three wise men. We don't know how many there were. There could have been three. There could have been 30. There could have been 300. There could have been 3,000. We don't know how many. We do know that these wise men came bearing gifts. There's a lot that we don't know about them. But what we also do know is that these wise men were astrologers or astronomers, which means that they studied the stars without a telescope, might I add. These guys studied the stars, and we do know from the book of Daniel, take the time to read it in your, your own time, you will see that the magi, wise men, these astrologers, astronomers, they were very influential politically, very powerful. Daniel clearly points that out for us. And notice what they said. Notice in verse 2, they said, where is he who is born the king of the Jews? If you're a note taker, if you're a student of the Bible, you'll find this fascinating. This is the very first question asked in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the very first question asked is, where is he who is born the king of the Jews? The first question asked in the Old Testament was asked by God himself. When God says, Adam, where are you? Remember, Adam, where are you? So we've got these two questions, one in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament. You can see when Adam sinned, God came after Adam. And God said, Adam, where are you? But it's interesting here, we see these wise men are coming and they're looking for the answer to the sin problem. Where is he who is born the king of the Jews? Interesting. So these guys want to know, where is the Messiah? They go on to say, because we have seen his star in the east. They've seen his star, they say. Now, the question is, how, what would cause them to say, where's the king of the Jews? We've seen his star. What would cause them to be looking for a star? Why would they ask that question? Where did they get that from? Did someone tell them that the king of the, of the Jews, the Messiah, would be coming and a sign of his coming would be that of a star? Did someone tell them that? Why would they ask that? These are not believers, if you will. These are astrologers, astronomers. These are, these are the magi. So why would they ask, where is the star? We've seen the star. Where's the king? Well, let me just give you a couple of points of speculation, if you will. It is very possible that Daniel told them. You might remember in the book of Daniel, Daniel lived in Persia 500 years before when Israel was taken into Babylonian captivity. Daniel lived in Babylon and Daniel had a gift to interpret dreams. You know that story. 
And he did for King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar made Daniel the chief administrator over all the wise men in Babylon. And so it's very possible that Daniel told these magi and the story was passed down through the years, through the magi. And so they say, where is he? The Messiah. Because we've seen his star as a sign. It's also possible that these wise men are familiar with Daniel chapter 9. I talked about it a little bit earlier, how the coming of Jesus and that riding into Jerusalem was prophesied to the very day there in Daniel chapter 9. It's very possible that they knew and had been told throughout the generations of this prophecy in Daniel of the Messiah riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. We call that Palm Sunday. It is also possible that they knew the words of Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 3. As Isaiah says, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the deep darkness the people. But the Lord God will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. It's also possible they knew Numbers 24, 17. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come, note, a star out of Jacob. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So maybe with Daniel's influence years before, these guys had an idea where the Messiah would come from. But it's interesting to me that these magi, these astrologers, they are the ones who see the sign, understand the sign, and they travel to Jerusalem to find the Messiah. It's interesting to me that there are people, God's people, who are living in Israel who also knew the sign, but it doesn't, the scriptures don't tell us they did anything. But these magi who live hundreds and hundreds of miles away, they see the sign and they act on it and they move to come looking for the Messiah. Now, this star, this sign, there's a lot of speculation out there as to what this star in the sky was. Some people saying it was a curious conjunction of planets. Others say it was a comet. Some say it was a supernova, which all of these things are possible. But could it be that it was simply a star? Hello? Is that possible? People always got to, well, now, what really was it? Could it have been a supernova or what really was it? Hello? Maybe it was just a star that God placed where he placed it because he's God, the same God who said, let there be light, and there was. It's just simply a star. But whatever it was, I think the important thing is this. Note this. God, through that star, was reaching these magi who studied the stars right where they were. Isn't that interesting? You see, God speaks to people And listen, God reaches people right where they are. Those magi, the wise men, they studied the stars. How did God speak to them? Through a star. 
God reaches people where they are. You remember the shepherds who were watching in the field. Where did the Lord meet them at? In the field. We have Pastor Zachariah, you might want to call him. He was a priest in the temple. You might remember he was the father of John the Baptist. He worked in the temple, and the Lord appeared to him where? In the temple. You see, God has his way of meeting people. God meets people where they are. Now, we, the church, church folks, we want people to come meet us where we're at. And we'll say, oh, yeah, you can come to church now, but you're going to have to clean up a little bit. You're going to need to get your hair cut and take a shower and get all cleaned up, and then you can come to church. That's not God. God reaches people right where they are. You know, this whole Calvary Chapel movement, if you have been looking into it, the whole Calvary Chapel movement, this church and my ministry, all began with one man way back in the 60s who went to the beach and saw a bunch of hippies hanging out on the beach playing their guitar. Their hair was nappy and long and down the here. They were dirty. They were stinky. They were smelly. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.